Welcome to the Adult Learning Exchange Virtual Community Podcast. I'm Simone Conceição, owner of SCOC Consulting, the sponsor of Adult Learning Exchange Virtual Community. This episode is part of Conversations from the Front Porch, moderated by Dr. Leslie Cordy. Well, welcome to Conversations from the Front Porch. I am Leslie Cordy, your host, and we are very lucky to have with us this afternoon Dr. Nancy Chapko. She is a variety of people in terms of her career, but she has an instructional technology background and she works for Gateway Technical College, but she's also a CTE instructor at the University of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Stout, uh, one of our favorite uh, locations, or my favorite locations. And she's worked with us in terms of NTI, which is the National Training Institute, which is for the Electrical Training Alliance. And we're lucky to have her there. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Leslie. Well, uh, I thought we'd reach out to you and talk to you about your experience working with online learners and how you engage them. And so perhaps you could start by telling us what you think are some tips or tricks in terms of engaging the learner in the online learning environment. Absolutely. This is such an important topic, especially right now when many of us are teaching online and we don't have a lot of expertise. So. Five tips for engaging online learners, some easy things to think about as you approach it. And then maybe we can talk about some tools to support that. The first thing that learners need is clear and consistent course navigation and layout. It isn't glamorous, but think of it as the mechanics because if the learner can't access the course readily and the content readily, then he or she probably isn't going to make a great deal more effort to engage in the course. So something as simple as just basic design. And and most of us with resources available uh, can accomplish this quite nicely. And just making sure that they have that navigation um, consistent from course to course. Absolutely, or even perhaps a, a link or a note, hey learner, when you enter the class, this is how you can start, this is where you can go. All of the graded activities will be available here. Specific help topics are available there. And every time you click to go somewhere, it should take you to about the same place. So in other words, we're trying to remove the barrier of accessing, physically accessing the content. In in years of having done this and, and designing courses, it's really important to give your learners choice. And by that, I mean a choice in how they might engage in learning activities, and especially how they might demonstrate their knowledge and skill. And this really falls under the umbrella, of course, of you know, universal design for learning and uh, inclusion. But what it really means is our learners are individual. What will engage one student may not engage another student at all. Typically, the, the, the concern I hear from faculty about this is, well, I don't have the time, it takes yeah. time. And the truth is you do need to devote some, some time and energy the first time through to create some choice. But after that, it, you know, we can just keep re-implementing it. So what do we mean by choice in terms of a learning activity? Uh, is it possible for you to offer content to a student in a way that the student can listen in an audio file as well as read 
most of our electronic textbooks these days provide those options. Mm -hmm. Could a student watch a video? Could a student listen to a speech? Uh, as well as read a textbook. I'm not suggesting textbooks aren't useful or productive or have a place, right. but by allowing choice, the students are more readily to engage in the content. Um, I also want to take a step back and say, I understand that this has to work within the discipline taught. Mm -hmm. So for instance, mm -hmm. if we're going to weld something, well, we actually have to weld it. But getting to the point where we learn how to weld, that's where we might have some choice. And then the, the other choice that it's, it's very, very useful to offer learners is how that learner is going to demonstrate knowledge and skill. I find this uh, in my teaching practice to be very important. If, if a particular skill base doesn't require an essay, could the learner record an audio and, and provide that same information? Could the learner record a video? Actually, I've had some students who wanted to do that. It isn't for everybody, but it Again, those individuals who might feel engaged in that way will then engage uh, more greatly in the course as a whole. Um, another tip for engaging online learners would be to provide opportunities to collaborate. And you might think of this as provide opportunities to be social. Just because we're an online class doesn't mean we don't get to talk to our peers. And the reality is the more engagement that you can create between peers, I think the higher quality of learning that will occur because certainly peers have something to teach each other. And students have told me, uh, just without exception, this felt like a real class. I felt like I knew who else was in the class. I shared ideas, I saw their work. So find opportunities to create collaboration from between learners and that will engage them more readily as well. Another idea is to make sure you're providing rewards and recognition. And feedback is a part of this, but you know what? I recently participated in a professional development course uh, during the summer and received badges as a reward. And I liked it. And I'm okay. somebody who's been doing online learner for a long time, but we all like to be acknowledged for our accomplishments and something as simple as a badge. If your LMS has a badging system or an attaboy, or maybe that, that students work is highlighted in a weekly message with the student's permission. Um, we like that. We understand that, that that instructor is speaking to us personally, that we are a class of learners, and we respond to that typically with greater engagement. Yeah, we can certainly start making sure that we give those attaboys, right, to students on the side and, right. and asking to highlight their work if they've done a good job, right? Correct. The last tip that I have, and not, none of these are, you know, actually um, very difficult to achieve, is to communicate, communicate, communicate. There is abundant research that tells us that the single most important um, way that we can keep our online learners in, is engaged is the interpersonal communication. Students need to know that you are present, that you are an instructor. When I teach an online class, the first three weeks are very difficult. Let's say it's an entire semester long. I have to be there, I have to be very present at all times sometimes the weekend, sometimes later in the evening that I'd like, but the student has to know that I'm there and I will support them. And once we've established that, usually within by the third week, I can back off, I can be the real instructor again. That is a challenge, but once you've, you've established that communication, I think the students are very confident, they feel supported in their work, they're ready to move on. Communication is also very important in terms of providing feedback about student achievement. The number one 
complaint I've always had is it's not fast enough. Okay. You know, I, my goal is to provide uh, feedback within X number of days of this event. And if I cannot, I will tell you. And if I can, I will. But you know, the feedback we provide for their work has to be very specific, very timely, and very actionable. And if any one of those three are missing, they will let you know. Uh, students will say, I knew what to do based on what you told me. I, I could take that and do something with it. That's, that's great in terms of engagement. They're willing to take some of that information and move forth instead of just saying, I'm dumping something in this black hole in this online class, and I don't know if anyone's even looking at it. That's, that's problematic. Let's review that part. Um, specific, timely, and actionable. I know I do have, we do have trouble sometimes, and I think what you said was critical that those first three weeks, right? right. Setting the precedent, right? Role modeling for our students what that looks like. And in reality, the specific, timely, and actionable in the first three weeks should be fairly easy to accomplish as the instructor because there shouldn't be the research paper due in those first right. few weeks, perhaps a, a component of it, right? Okay. So we have to right. think about it that way. And it's important for them to know, like you said, that it's not they're not in this big black hole all alone by themselves. And so that relates to some of the other tips and tricks that you just mentioned too. And it's very important. The adult learner really appreciates the flexibility in terms of the schedule at night and weekends. And I know that's hard for all of us because it, it's difficult to separate our work. I have found students to be very respectful if I make the effort to communicate in effective ways, particularly at the beginning of the course, to say to them, I'm going to step away from the from the keyboard this this weekend. I'm going to be away, and they're they they are accepting of that because they know I'll come back. They know that their peers will respond to them, you know, in the public forum, okay. and they know if all else fails, we'll we'll be back together in touch in a few days away. So it's a lot of managing that you know the communication, but you can't manage it if you don't get it out there to communicate, begin with. Right. Communicate, well, sure. communicate, communicate, communicate. All right, very good. Well, those were your, your tips about engaging the learner. Did you want to tell us about uh, anything else or some tools now in terms yeah. of? Let's talk about a couple tools, and I do have a list. Now, these are, are tools that I have found useful. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of tools that, that people will use or be aware of, maybe make selections from. There are two um, particular resources, Leslie, if I could mention that I think that listeners could, could maybe take advantage of. The first is Campus Technologies Teaching and Learning uh, Resources. Campus Technology has been tracking since, since the pandemic began in March, um, a list of freely available resources for distance teaching. And there are any number of excellent resources worth looking at. And the second resource is called 131 Tools for Distance Learning and Strategies. 131 Tools. So again, tools for just about any discipline, any age group, um, any kind of learning management system. But I do have a few favorites, and I'm happy to share those. When I think about tools, first of all, because I am an instructional designer, I take a step back and say, what is it I want to do before I choose a tool? Sometimes I choose a tool because it's fun, but then I have to find a reason to use it. Um, going back to the idea about choice for students and to communicate, think visual. What can we provide visually that, that might not take a lot of time and energy? Um, certainly our textbooks and our publishers will have 
um, discipline-specific illustrations, which we should use. But there are two freely available resources. One is Unsplash, the other is PixAbay. And they both have a, a, a very large uh, repository of images and photos that can be freely used even without attribution. U-N-S-P-L-A-S-H. Yes, okay, got it. slightly different in terms of, of maybe their genre, but I'll tell you, you know, engaging a student with a, maybe a weekly message and a small image can, can make a big difference. Yes. Again, the student will be drawn to the, the, the message. Um, another visual tool that you might consider is Flipgrid. And I think most people may have an idea. Flipgrid is a website that allows instructors to create grids, if you will, and that facilitates video discussion. I have used it to introduce myself to students and ask that they introduce themselves to students. And it's kind of an interesting way to be able to put names and faces together. And again, students feel as if they have that sense of community. So now we're talking again about another um, technique, if you will, for, for building that community. I will say you know, recently that there um, have been students who have not wanted to be on camera and I'm okay with that. Okay. I think we have to be okay with that. In that case, they could record a Flipgrid without the uh, video and they could just have the audio. But again, a, a visual mechanism for saying we are a class and when you access Flipgrid, you access the class. All of these tools that I mentioned so far are freely available. Also in terms of visual communication, short videos work well. Um, if you are familiar with Animoto, you can make some really slick videos and you have the time and energy that you want to. Um, and then there's Powtoon, which is kind of a cute, you can use characters or cartoons. And again, it's just a different way to present information to students. Maybe you really want to emphasize a point instead of having yet another black on what, you know, text-based document, maybe you have just a 30 second video, yep. don't do this or do this. Yeah. And it can send an important message. Some tools that are visual and also will help collaboration, uh, Padlet perhaps you've heard of, it's a web-based app that lets our users post notes on a digital wall, sometimes known as a mood board. In other words, so you went out and let's say that you know, you, you've read about um, how to create a business plan. So what are your thoughts about a business plan? What components go in a business plan? And, Students can go and find images then and post them to this board, if you will, and say why that image was uh, important or evocative to them. Um, again, this is choice. This is not appropriate for welding or some other hands-on activity, but it can certainly be used to get our student to the point where they're able to demonstrate with a hands-on. Very similarly, there's a tool called Wakelet, and this is very similar to um, Padlet, but it allows users to curate content, videos, images, links. So I might say we've learned about the history of the principles of management, scientific management. Let's go out and find some resources and curate them. We could do that and I would have one repository. Students could maintain their own over a source of a semester. Students really tend to like these kinds of tools where they curate, they find they don't always know that the learning is in the going and the finding, but it is because they have to make choices about what they curate and why they add it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tool. And very, you know, once you put it up there, it's, they do it. You just put it up here, are the guidelines, go do it. And, and Wakelet's good for what I consider artifacts. You find an artifact 
you can write something, you can listen to something, you can watch something, you can find an image, you can record it yourself. If the, the learning activity lends itself well to that kind of, of um, artifact, then, they, then go with it. Not all of them do, but that might. Um, video conferencing. Well, we're all quite familiar with that now, but, but you know, there's a sense of community there, even if it's only one-on-one -on -one for office hours. I, I remember when I first started calling students um, as an online instructor, and they were just amazed. They were talking to me, but I'm your teacher. You know, we, we can have these conversations. Well, we can take it a step further, and we can use any kind of online conferencing software, and most LMSs have their own, and just set up our office hours and say, come see me. And even if you don't have, you know, an issue or concern, I'm going to be on at that time, pop in. And again, that, that's a sense of presence. That's a sense of, you know, we're in a, we're in a real learning experience. I can ask questions. I'm going to engage. Um, students sometimes don't want to ask us things, particularly online. They don't quite know how and when to do it. So that's another opportunity. It, it, again, that sense of presence. And probably my most favorite visual and <laughs> collaborative a tool is Google Documents, whether they, they have a great deal of utility. Um, the Google Documents themselves, which you can share, which you can create tables, which you can ask you know, students to make entry. Um, they can create presentations together. We've done that. Spreadsheets work well. The first time a group of students, if they aren't familiar with, with the collaborative Google Documents, come in and they see peers entering, they're very they're very off put because they don't know quite what to think about it. But once they understand its value, they just really enjoy it a lot. This is also an opportunity where I might offer a Google document and ask students to enter their own content, um, let's say in a table. So instead of accepting a private assignment that I will see in the LMS and only I will see, now students get to look around and say, oh, that's what so-and-so said. This is what I'm saying. Now, clearly, that's going to be content that, that isn't going to be readily uh, replicated. You know, go find something and, and talk about it. Right. But students, again, tell me they really enjoy that approach because they can see their peers' work. And, you know, adding it to one repository, very simple for me then to download and make available at a later time as well to right. them. Right. Some tools that, that lend themselves well to what I consider choice for the learners, uh, three of them I've got. One is called Nearpod. You may be familiar with that. Nearpod is really a, a very neat, I don't want to call it an add-on activity, but it is a software web-based that allows you to modify your PowerPoint or Google Slides or your PDF documents or your videos to create interactive lessons. In other words, to embed questions, to embed opportunities for students to add information. Nearpod is free. Of course, you can buy a plan, but but the freely available features on Nearpod, mm -hmm. they work very well. Very similar to that is another tool called, it's, I think it's Slido, S-L-I-D-O. I use this a lot in presentations. And again, this is a tool that makes an excellent add-on for your PowerPoint or your Google Slides in that you can create dynamic question and answer opportunities mm -hmm. and dynamic poll interaction with word clouds that appear as we speak. So if you're offering um, a synchronous session with your learners, you could have them participate and they could see at any given moment what people are thinking, you know, what, what's important. But even if it isn't um, synchronous, you can still offer this and have students participate and see results. 
again, what we're doing is we're, we're taking maybe a lengthy, by necessity, slideshow, right. and we're breaking it up to say, what do you think? You know, add something in here. What are, what are the suggestions? What are your questions? What are your answers? And then there's one tool that I've just become aware of, and I think I really like it a lot. This is offered by Blackboard, and I got it out of the Campus Technology Repository I mentioned a little earlier. And it's from Blackboard Ally, A-L-L-Y, and they offer a website that is a web-based file transformer. In other words, I think the intent is we're going to help out learners and instructors by creating a different format of content. I uploaded a PDF document and received an MP3 recording as a result, and it was right, and it read the headings, and it probably made, met all of the um, ADA rules yep. that it needed to. I yep. didn't take it that much in depth, but it certainly seemed that way. Yep. I am amazed and it will create Braille. It will create EPUB. It will create just about anything. I'm not sure how long this will be available to us freely, but it's a darn good tool and I commend it. Wow. Um, yep. So oh. as, I, as I was talking earlier about, maybe you want to offer some content in just typical text, but you also want to and at, uh, make it available as an mp3 that tool will do it for you just with free simple free. as an upload mm -hmm. oh wow all of them are, are good suggestions in terms of maybe trying one two or three of them right in terms right. of what maybe be your personal preference and try to engage some of those learners with some other ideas right right leslie that's a good uh statement that you've made that don't over design mm -hmm. create a plan choose your tools to support what you're trying to do maybe get pretty good at using two or three and that's enough. Yeah. Maybe you're going to implement some audio this semester or some video. Don't do it all. Do what you can. Do it as well as you can. Yeah. I think an important point too is ask your learners. Ask your learners. Okay. I think I know what they want, but I don't. So yeah. don't go through an entire semester thinking you know. I always stop at the second, third week and say, are we good? You know what, What's going on here? And they'll tell me what works and what doesn't work. And at the end of the semester, I'll ask again some of those same things. And if I find that, you know, a particular technique that I thought was engaging and they didn't, mm -hmm. I may not, I may not work mm -hmm. as, as um, I may not work with, with such speed to make that available again. And I may turn my interest to something that they found more valuable. Sure. I can hear how you care about the students and meeting their needs, Nancy, right? Because you're asking yes. those students and right. you're a lifelong learner yourself, right? And yes. I can hear that yes. too in terms Absolutely. of what worked and what maybe didn't work and, and giving yourself the ability to keep on learning. Yeah. Very great. Yeah. Very good. Well, all of these things engage our learner. What do we do when perhaps they don't want to engage, Nancy? That happens, whether they're sitting in our classroom or whether they're at a distance. And, you know, let's think back to, to the way we began, Leslie. There's no single best model to implement. There isn't one technique that's going to engage everybody. There may be a technique and tool that will engage most people. So we need to, we need to use that as sort of our, our philosophy to begin with. Um, that's why we ask questions, right? What, what is working in the third week and afterwards what is, um, continues to work because I may love to use a given tool, but if I don't feel like I'm getting up what I need, I need to put it aside. So I bear that in mind and then I, I will ask students. They, they need to, to provide that feedback to help me. 
um, if a student still doesn't engage, then there may be issues beyond those kinds of things that we talked about. And as teachers, we know that we have to deal with those in different ways. Right. Uh, maybe we need to connect that student with somebody who, who can help them engage more readily than, than I can. Right. Uh, just as I said, if we were in the face-to-face -face classroom. Right, right. And some of those might be whether it's a tutor or some accessibility issues or some personal uh, well-being issues, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Or you may find your, yourself connecting with that individual in a different way. As I said, if you're using the um, web-based conferencing, maybe that becomes something that you want to do specifically with, with, with one of those kinds of individuals or, or individuals for whom that works best. Yeah. Well, you've left us with a lot of things today, Nancy. I'm going to go explore some of these things myself after we get off of this conference. Thank you for spending time with us this morning. I've learned a lot about engaging my learners, whether they're they're face-to-face -face or online, and, and how important it is, though, to connect in a variety of methods with um, our online learners, right? Um, and Absolutely. asking them what's important, too. Correct, right. Well, it was my pleasure, and I, I hope if you know this in any way helps everybody engage with their learners, then that's a very good thing. Okay, I think so too. Well, thank you, Nancy. Have a good rest of the week. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast episode. Subscribe to the online forum. Click on the link in the podcast description to access the online forum. Thank you for listening to our podcast.